This is the Memphis Real Estate Hour on KWAM. And now, here's your host, Dean Harris. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Memphis Real Estate Hour. I am your host, Dean Harris. I'm with Crestcore Realty over on Summer Avenue. I appreciate you guys tuning in to me this morning on AM 990 Memphis, uh, 107.9 FM. Or you can stream the show online, www.kwam990.com. The Memphis Real Estate Hour, we're concentrating on investing in Memphis real estate. Uh, we'll also touch on our residential real estate market here in the Memphis and surrounding areas. Uh, from time to time, like this morning, I'll have uh, local and national vendor partners of ours on the show from uh, kind of the metro area, sharing the knowledge um, that they have on how to become an investor or how to become a better investor. Uh, remind you every single show that I am an investor. So if you have that old home you need to sell quickly, or you know someone that has that old home they need to sell quickly, you can shoot me a quick email, dean at crestcore.com. And we'll get you a cash offer on that home probably today, no later, no later than 24 hours. It's dean at crestcore.com. And I will help you get rid of that home quickly. Uh, Facebook Live, guys, we're on Facebook Live. We have been for, uh, I think we're going on nine or 10 months with Facebook Live. So we've really had some uh, good success with that. We enjoy the feedback we get. And all the shows, of course, are logged uh, on the show's Facebook page under the video. So if you've uh, been listening in the past and you have something that you want to go back to, uh, go and search it. You can uh, do that on the show's Facebook page, The Memphis Real Estate Hour. Uh, on today's show, we've got a nice little treat. We've got Douglas Skipworth, who is uh, co-founder of Crestcore Realty with Dan Butler. And uh, Douglas is going to be on the show talking about three deadly sins uh, that investors make and then money partners versus equity partners. So we've got a really good topic uh, for today's show. How are you, sir? Doing great, Dean. Thanks good. for having me today. Absolutely. I love uh, the the mixture between you and Dan. Dan comes on. He's been a, a faithful uh, backup partner, but now we've got the first string guy in here now. Co-host, so. right? Yeah, that's right. You're now Dan, the co-host. No, Dan's the co-host. <laughs> backup guy. Yeah. Dan, uh, Dan has moved back to number two. You take a vacation, you lose your job. You know That's what I mean? right. You know what I mean? All right. So today we've been talking about three deadly sins. Uh, Douglas, you and I were talking a little bit this week about uh, some good topics that we could give out there and talk about. And to me, we can never do three deadly sins enough um, because they're three deadly sins. And I think for an investor um, to hear from extremely experienced investors on deadly sins and what things that they should not do are extremely important. So three deadly sins, we're, we're talking about paying too much over leveraging or mismanaging that's right um, and and when we talk about paying too much my first thing you know as i was making some notes yesterday was how does this happen with all the tools and all the research that's available out there yeah th i mean that's a great great question it's, it is a great topic because i mean i remember reading about sam zell he's a big commercial guy yep. and he was doing this in the the 80s you know 70s and 80s buying people who overpaid before him over leveraged before him or mismanaged before him so this isn't a trend that's just happening today this is right. you know at least 40 years if not you know for centuries but overpaying is is common you would think that people would learn how to not do that but but this day and age, you see, uh, you know, we're involved in social real estate social networks, and you'll see people yep. getting on there talking about 
Um, this is probably the where I'm seeing it the most right now is in the turnkey space. Yep. You'll see people saying, well, the turnkey price is more than the appraisal. And people are saying, oh, that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. You're buying a bond. You're buying a new new roof, a new HVAC. So they're overpaying the appraised value of the house. And people are acknowledging that and doing it willingly. You which know, is it's, amazing. Which is amazing. It's scary. There, there's no excuse for overpaying in my opinion because uh, you're just you're, you everything has to go right when you overpay oh and or things have to go above right as far as appreciation and things that they're going to bail you out no so, exit strategy is the first thing that comes to my mind no short-term exit strategy yeah that's that's to get more no specific. short-term exit strategy five to seven years to catch there's up. a turnkey provider that w- in town mm-hmm. who who we will work with and when they have an investor who needs to get out they send them to us to list it that's right essentially to give them the bad news because right. they can't do it themselves because they've put them in a product at 110 percent mm-hmm. of the price and then they come to us and we're trying to list it on the market at a, at a, at a market price and it's probably 90 cents on the dollar of what they paid so if you're in the if you're going to keep it for 30 years you're great okay yes long term it's hard, hard. <laughs> when I, I worked m- many years ago I was on the the, the lending side mm-hmm. and I had a boss colleague who was a commercial real estate lender and he always said you don't you, real estate investors they don't pay too much they just buy early you know you're just too early so yeah if you're going to be in this game for 30 years you you maybe you're buying you're buying early you're paying too much it's going to work out but if it's a short term 5 years or under overpaying more above market value is is careless is what i would call a sin one That's of the right. sins of an investor, a well, deadly sin of an investor. In, in truth, you know, life happens, Douglas. And you might be sitting there looking at your spouse and your partner, business partner, maybe and saying, we're in this for the long haul. We're going to hold this. We're going to give it to our kids and they're going to give it to their kids. Life happens. I mean, you never know what's three years down the road, five years down the road. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm shocked. You know, I've been doing this. 10 plus 15 years. Dan's been doing it going on 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the way we think. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to do this till I'm at least a hundred, Sure, you know, so this minimum. is a long, a minimum, man. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I can't tell you. So that's my mentality. I can't tell you how many people we've seen come and go in our brief 15, 20 years of doing this people who get in and life happens and have said, I'm going to be in it for forever. Correct. And, and they're in and out. So family it, tragedy, emergencies, uh, work layoffs, things, things change. You have no idea what's you, coming down. So to overpay for an asset or anything, really, for that matter, but especially an investment, something you don't absolutely have to do, uh, is a deadly sin. It is a deadly sin, and it is it is. You, it's an opportunity for others. That's all I'll say. See, but it's 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 a deadly sin. But there's an the opportunity coin. for other people. We can talk more about that as That's we go right. on. But do you think the market creates this? Any? I mean, do you think? So you mentioned some of these turnkeys. Do you think? Do you think the 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 story and the hoopla around Memphis will create this? Yes, in some sense, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, there's that lemmings mentality, that herd mentality. Everybody's doing it. Yes, it's okay. Here's the reason, and, and, and obviously, people who are selling those products are going to justify why this is a, why this makes sense. You're coming to Memphis. You're coming to the hot market. You're coming yes. to 
uh, cash flow king, as I guess as right. people call Memphis. So I see, I see this also another way of, of saying this, and this isn't turnkey bash. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's not. But paying, paying for a house on a cap rate in a non-owner-occupant neighborhood, mm-hmm. to me, that, that is you know, an error. That's, that's, a, that's a mistake waiting to happen, trouble waiting to happen, because at least if you pay in a cap rate, which you know, we all know if you pay it by a cap rate, you're going to be paying more than the, than the yep. house is worth on the market. Mm-hmm. In an owner-occupant neighborhood, that's okay, because if you had to get out, there's an owner-occupant to buy it. But if you have to get out in a non-owner-occupant neighborhood, you know, you, Wendy Greenlaw Chandler reports, who's a good, a good friend of the show, you know, I heard her latest statistics was Frazier 38127 was 76% were non-owner-occupant. That's right. In, I.e. investor. That's so, right. So you're selling to, an, to another investor. So you, you ha- another investor isn't going to pay retail price. No. So again, no. pay in a cap rate in a non-owner occupant area. That's something I would that would be a red flag to me. So you see somebody paying sixty thousand dollars in a non-owner occupant area where the <laughs> in, other investors are paying twenty, thirty, and, and, and that that speaks to that neighborhood. And I'll get more specific. Uh, we're seeing now some in, some turnkey providers are building out new construction streets, new construction even communities. 100% set up for rentals. I and I don't, you know, I, I would caution on that all day long. We we a, again, we had a, one of our very first clients. He was in some deal. I don't remember how he got it, but he had to it was a it was a a business and he had to flip out of that business investment into some rental houses. Mm-hmm. And they were newly built, $100,000 houses. In the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and then all of a sudden, those things were worth fifty thousand dollars. And then what do you do? And they've never gotten back to the hundred thousand dollars. They might be eighty thousand now, but still not back to. What but he still bought. not back to what he invested in originally as new construction. And that's that's and I've seen it happen. And then it's it's not just one. There's several different groups oh, that yeah. are building new construction streets and communities solely set up for rentals. I just I, I'd really caution investors on that. I mean that that's an overpay uh, hotbed. Again, long term, cash flow makes sense. Could make sense. Definitely makes sense on paper. But yep. when you're talking about having to get out of that property for whatever reason, in you, 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 you you know, not pennies on the dollar, dollar, but definitely less than market value. Definitely, the, the market value is less than the original price. When we're talking about yeah, absolutely, we're talking about paying too much. I've got Douglas Skipworth here in the studio with me with Crestcore. What are some of the things we can do to avoid overpaying? And you know, my first thing is call your local real estate agent. You know, call Dean Harris. Yeah, call me at Crestcore now. But I mean, no, absolutely. I would say, you know. Lack of counsel, you know, there, there, there's scriptures full of sure. getting advice from others. If you wage war, obtain advice, you know, <laughs> think about, think about, you know, 
all the Waiting whether it's a coaching more. staff you yeah. know your coach, coaches are surrounded you know head coaches are surrounded by their staff yep. uh, political figures are, are surrounded by their staff so with, you know you're making a decision that's important have some other opinions not just the don't listen to just the person who's selling the house absolutely you know get some other opinions and there's some great social re- media real estate social networks out there yep. and there are other investors who are willing to contribute as well as agents like yourself and others so there's literature as well as you know periodicals websites blogs that post that can kind of give you some data as well as just back of the envelope and rules of thumb right. to kind of give you a- so i go through this conversation with about half of my new investors when we get a new person that calls us hey i'm interested in memphis and they come over um i have that conversation with them on you know talk to other brokers talk to insurance agents that that provide insurance for these if you're you know Talk to other investors. Absolutely. A lot of mine will say, do you have some referrals that you can? Sure. I've got a couple of guys here. Go talk to them. Not just about me, but about Memphis, you know? So. It, and property specifically. I mean, I see people mm-hmm. do that all the time on social networks where they drive. Hey, I'm interested in this address at this price. What do you think of rent? Here's the rent, what I'm saying. And people will give their honest feedback. And property managers. I did, I and just property of that. managers. You can go absolutely. to them and say, hey, and confirm Yeah, that talk rent. to a couple of different property managers. What, how, you know, what do you think about this? What are you seeing in this market? What right. happens five years from now if I had to get out of this house? That's right. So Over leveraging is another Another big mistake that I didn't learn personally, but I learned by working with investors mm-hmm. early. Yep. Uh, one of my first clients that I got um, was a Crestcore client. I had about 12 properties, and he had over-leveraged himself. He couldn't borrow you know, three nickels. And um, he took a, I think he got laid off from his job, something that was completely mm-hmm. out of his control. And now... Uh, because he over leveraged, his cash flow was short. He was paying off notes and he was getting things done, but all of a sudden he had two vacancies, and then he had a third, and then he had a fire. So that you can you can try to avoid the vacancies the best you can. I don't know what you can do to avoid a fire. Yeah, uh, that that's just bad luck. But then all of a sudden, with 12 properties, had four of them vacant, and it, it drove him to bankruptcy. Oh, man. Yeah, because he, he, was, he, was, he was probably, his income wasn't probably high enough to support 12 solid properties. And he was a hiccup away from something bad happening, and sure enough, it did. And that's a lesson I learned from the beginning. Unfortunately, I, I, you know, I saw someone else go through it to learn that lesson. But um, what do you, when you think of over-leveraging, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see? And, and then where, and what kind of area do you see them in? Yeah, and... <clears throat> That's a sad story. It's a, it's a, it happens, it's, it's a, it's a story that's not uncommon, but it, 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 it's sad nonetheless. I mean, I think part of its mindset in the sense of uh, greed and wanting to get, get, you know, get more and more and more and more. Um, so thankfully right now there's a governor, if you will, or uh, on the, on over leveraging because the bank's, because of what happened 10 years ago, the banks are a little more cautious. Other lenders are cautious. But money's flowing into the space more and more every day, so it's getting looser and looser than it was five years ago. Sure. Now, 10 years ago, people were able... There are countless examples in town. We know people uh, specifically and, and anecdotally who 
they'd go out and buy a $50,000 house that appraised for $80,000, and the bank would loan them seventy. dollars Mm-hmm. So they were able to capture their equity on the front end. I had a guy who bought sixty thousand dollars houses for forty and borrowed sixty, and and I was like, why'd you borrow? Why'd you borrow sixty instead of buying forty? And he was like, well, I was going to make my profit on the front end. And I was like, okay, okay. And so he ended up having to sell those houses at forty, and. Ruined his credit. Ruined his credit, ruined everything. You know, he's not an investor anymore. Had to give up a portfolio of 30 houses because mm. he mm. over leveraged. And again, that was over leveraging in the sense of being greedy and borrowing and trying, borrowing more than the houses cost. That seems, and, and I'm glad I don't know this person, that seems greedy. That, that was prevalent mm-hmm. in the 2005, 2000 to 2007, eight. So all I'm saying is that's a mindset. That's kind of a little herd mentality. Everybody's doing it. There were seminars. People that who are real estate leaders in town now were teaching seminars back then, teaching people how to do this. Go buy a house for 60. It'll appraise for 90. You can borrow 75. That's 15. That either you can put into your next deal or you can join a country club. And that's or you what, can buy a new boat. And that's what. Or you can mm-hmm. take a vacation. And people were doing that. Again, thankfully, there are some um, you know, constraints on that right now. But that they will come. It, you know, the pendulum swings between unjustified pessimism yep. and unsustainable optimism. Mm-hmm. So we kind of were in the unjustified pessimism, mm-hmm. but we're going to swing back to that, you know, that optimism where people are just going, you know, unsustainable. You can't you think we're moving it. to that. Oh, I think maybe not in the single family space as much as in some other areas. It kind of goes in different waves, mm-hmm. um, but it will, it will, it will happen. There's no doubt. We'll see some type of bubble. I mean, we've seen, you know, we're, Sounds like we want We've to seen get three there. or four bubbles in our lifetimes in different different yep. asset classes. So, so again, what's it going to be the, the the single family rental? I don't know, but it'll definitely be something where people are greedy. Is there a way to gauge um, or a way to keep yourself from doing this? Is there a rule of thumb that because I know what's happening right now? We've got investors listening that either have a portfolio or don't, and they're getting ready to get into it. Over leveraging is one of the biggest mistakes, as we just talked about. Yep. We mentioned just three people that are now no longer in the business. Is there a gauge? Is there a, a tool that you can use? My my next note was lean on bankers to pump yeah. the brakes, but is there another gauge or tool that we can use to say, "Ooh, that's we're crossing over into a, a red line area"? Again, I have a mentor who's got eight thousand units. Whew personally they're mostly multifamily but i mean he said never borrow against income only borrow against income producing assets so don't borrow against anything unless it produces income so okay that's a good rule of a, a thumb or a rule of advice as you're kind of planning so again that doesn't prevent you from over leveraging a specific asset that produces income mm-hmm. but if you again we talked about this earlier if you surround yourself with like-minded people people you admire mentors peers the the information available right now, you know, it's it's almost limitless as far as people who can encourage and mentor mm-hmm. and shape and teach. Sure, you know, and help you prevent it. So, in other words, go to your bankers and go to your friends. Go to your go to your yeah. peers or or, or mentors. We property talked- managers, local RIAs, yeah. uh, real estate agents, insurance agents. Ask around. There, I mean, there are a gazillion places to go to learn how. The experts do it. Success leaves clues. Yes, yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, we've always talked about on this show that you are who you hang with. 
You are who and, you hang with. And I know that's, that's kind of a simple and a slangy way to say it, but I, I, my dad taught me that growing up. But, you know, I would get in some trouble with some kids or whatever, and I would hear him say it now. You are who you hang with. If you're going to hang with those kids, you're going to trouble. You're going to be in trouble. If you're going to hang with these kids that are doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing. Same thing applies to to us and to now. If you're hanging with investors that are doing the right thing, mentors that have either gone through it or are doing it now, bankers and all your partners, and you can lean on them. If you take their advice and you, and you go with that flow, you're going to become that. Yeah, and you know? I mean, take take advice and encouragement from people who are where you want to go, mm-hmm. not from people who have never done what you, you've done yeah. or are behind where you are or mm-hmm. beside you. I mean, look to those folks in front of you. You know, that's, that's what you, you know, want to strive for. All right. Let me ask you this. If let's say we're, we're in a position now, cause they're, I, it's likely that someone's listening and they're over leveraged, maybe not in their entire portfolio, right. but on a couple of properties, what's a way to rectify that or get out other than just fire. So, I mean, anybody can just stick it on the market and get rid of it and take a loss. But, I mean, trying to prevent a loss, trying to prevent – and there might not be a magic formula for this. It might just be, hey, man, you got to let that tenant pay down that note, pay down that debt, and sell it you know, before you take a loss, which is an exercise that is worthless and timeless. Absolutely. It's, there's no benefit. Yeah. To, you get no profit. You get no, you're literally just – Doing a job to prevent a fire sale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that, that the third, I don't know if we're segueing into that, but the third sin investors typically make of overpaying, over leveraging, and mismanaging. So, mismanaging is, is exactly what you're talking about. If mm-hmm. um, we see people being lax, being lenient, being lazy, not knowing the laws. So, mm-hmm. to your point right there, over leveraging. Roll up your sleeves and manage the property well. Do what it takes to, to, get, it done. to get it done. And, and a lot of people don't do that because they're, they take their eye off the ball. It's more work than they thought. Whether they're self-managing or using a third-party manager, mm-hmm. it, it takes effort. When you're dealing directly with residents of homes or tenants of properties, it can be difficult to enforce the policies and the rules so you get a little lax you get a little lenient you let things slide in other words you're saying be a professional it's it's you have to be a professional you have to treat property management as a job you can't treat it as a hobby you can't treat it as something to do on nights and weekends i mean it's got to be a full-time gig even if you're working full-time and self-managing it's got to be something you're doing it before work you're doing it on your lunch break you're doing it right after work it's 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 a commitment to manage or to have it's it's not real estate investing is not as passive as the turnkey folks make it seem <laughs> really <laughs> this is not turnkey bash but it is this it's a hands-on you know it's a contact sport so to speak uh, if you're not I, i'll say this if you have multiple properties and you're not and this is no knock on us or anybody but if you're not managing the manager then i don't think you're doing the right thing right now, I don't mean every day and every five minutes you're, you're, paying, you're looking. But if you're not managing the manager in, in, in a way that you're watching every month and keeping a real close eye at least once or twice a month, I think you're doing a disservice yeah. to yourself. Yeah. I think so. What are, that's, part of, that's part of managing. I mean, yeah. In real estate investing, you know, kind of the three 
tenants or the three components are deals. Mm-hmm. Got to have deals. Yep. Got to have fan- financing, and you got to have management. That's right. And so management, I mean, it's a, it's a leg of the three legs. It's one of the legs of the stool. So two legged stool. Say that again. Two. Deals, financing, again. and management. You gotta three have legs of a stool. Yeah. So you got to have deals if you're going to buy houses gotcha. or invest mm-hmm. property. You got to have financing. Whether and if you got deep pockets, great. If not, you're using funding from yep. a bank or somehow. And third is management. You got to actively. Somebody's got to manage that asset. If you think that you're going to buy 25 turnkey properties, or 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 even properties that have been rehabbed and they're done and they're not really called turnkey, and you're just going to sit back and collect a check every month, I think you're sadly mistaken. Right. The pro- a professional, again, professional managers can get in there. But what we saw, it's not as prevalent today. It is not as common. Don't see it as much, mm-hmm. thankfully. But five years ago, ten years ago, even more, there were professional quote, professional managers mm-hmm. who were third-party managing for yep. investors, but they were ripping people off. They were not sending rent. They were taking the rent and pocketing it. They were keeping security deposits. They weren't We've just seen on and on and on. Yeah, that happens. It still happens. It's not as common because things have gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more transparency in the industry. There's more professionalism. There's more collaboration and, and talking and vetting. Which I think is great. And verifying of things. Uh, but in the whole, the whole, the whole industry has improved. But I have countless examples of people who have called us and said, "Hey, can you help me?" My Previous property manager, my current property manager, who has not paid me rent in a year, oh. I have I can't get in touch with him. I haven't heard from him. Mm. What do I do? If you're if you're if you're wondering, you know what's happening to you, and this might be some of it. I mean, you yeah. know, you could be with a bad manager. You could be just not not watching closely enough to your assets. But I, I do think, and, and I'll say this again, if you really think that you can go buy any investment. And sit there that's real estate related and do nothing but collect the check every month or quarter or whatever you're going to collect. I think you're mistaken. I just think you're going to have to dive into this sum, not a ton, you know, depending on what product you buy. But if you're not managing, in my opinion, if you're not managing the manager a little bit, I don't think you're doing it right. Now, some people might have a different opinion than me that, that you know, a turnkey provider would say, well, we get, you know, that we, they should trust us and we should, do, and that's fine. And some of them might work out. I, I'm, I understand that. But at the same time, I think if you're not managing the man, I love saying that, managing the manager. At a minimum, you need to create what I would say two things. You need to have some type of scorecard, some type of metric, some type of benchmark that you're looking for. This is great. Some some way to measure. Mm-hmm. And then you need to do it on a time, at some type of recurring time frame, whether it's every week, every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. But set it up. But set it up. And so, so you, you figure out what you need to measure and figure out how often you need to measure it. And then just do it like a, either a red or green. Like if, if I'm at my benchmark, it's green. I don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. If it's red, then, then it's, it's not meeting the expectation. Then there's need for more involvement. So it can be semi-passive, but in the sense of everything's green, everything's on go. You know, it's like, it's like getting on a scale every morning before yeah. you get in the shower. Yeah. Okay. I weigh what I want to weigh. No big deal. Same time every day. Same time every day. Just do it. It takes two seconds, and you only start to worry 
if you start that's right, hitting or heavy. if you get over. Or, anyway. Oh, I need, I need a salad today. Well, I need to pay attention to my assets. I need today. to work, run a little farther, lift yeah. a little more, do whatever. So it's the same with the, your, your investments. Just some way to track them mm. and to hold your management accountable, whether that's your personal management or third-party management. Yeah. Guys, I'm in the studio here with Douglas Skipworth of Crestcore Realty. We're talking about the three deadly sins, paying too much, over-leveraging, and mismanaging. Now, we've touched on this a little bit. One more question for over-leveraging. Any 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 initial signs? Any, anything that 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 you you could say? Ooh, that's a bad that that's that's a bad sign. You're heading down a wrong path. You know, different ways you can see it. People skimping on manage, skimp, skimping on maintenance because they don't have the cash flow. When banks when they lever, when when investors uh, buy property and borrow, a lot of times in the past and they do some now uh, banks will escrow for taxes mm-hmm. insurance if they don't escrow for taxes that, that that was in the heyday people quit paying taxes so if if investors quit paying taxes and you notice them on rolls then there's an opportunity there as again this is some this is looking at from an opportunity That's indications right. that somebody's over leveraged because they are not having cash flow problems because they're not paying their taxes there so it's a little skimping on things um to do that and then looking at you know you can you can Takes a little work, but you can see uh, a source like Chandler Reports or the the, the assessors and registers websites have data yep. on how much people borrow. Mm-hmm. So you can run a little a, the AVMs, the Zillows, the other places of the world that have it, and see how much they borrow to what the market value is. <laughs> so you can kind of do different things to to see. It's funny how we look at these things. I, I ask for what are signs of. Uh, over leveraging, we just named several ways to take advantage of <laughs> yeah. these things. And, and, and smart, if you're an investor, you got to play both sides of the fence. Man, I've seen so many folks make a fortune out of other people's misfortune. Yeah, and if, know, and, and I, don't, I don't feel any any way, shape, form, or fashion weird saying that because if you're if we're not someone else, it's is. usually an intermediary, so it's not as if they're stealing it and they're yeah. getting it in, in, in a we're right way. From a bank so we had a client. They they were in a bad situation. They had over leveraged. Some investors came in, purchased what the investors thought was a steal. The the the, the owner owner was so thankful because they avoided bankruptcy. Yeah, see, so, so it you was a win when you we mm-hmm. helped them in in more ways than than they knew. So so we're moving into mismanagement here before we end the show. Um, what are some of the common mistakes investors make when it, or investors make when interviewing property managers let me let me rephrase that what are some questions and what are some things to ask property managers top three things because this is a key component of your business setup as a property manager uh we manage 25 or 600 houses yeah so 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 i I, I probably keep it high level initially how many you manage how long you've been managing Mm -hmm. how many do you own <laughs> how long have you owned them mm-hmm. um what do you do for professional development mm-hmm. so who are some references so what is your w- web presence w- what are you active in as far as Least the time. industry it, mm-hmm. it, then so i don't want to know about who who they are first. who they are you know are these people of character have they been doing it can you trust them do, do they do what they say they're gonna do mm-hmm. then i'd start drilling in to the metrics of the business of leasing you know but i'd probably drill into you know what areas what rent rates what have you seen what about my properties and then how long do you rent what's the process processes would probably be last because 
a rising tide lifts all boats in the mm-hmm. sense of a good market. Everybody's going to be able to lease it. Sure. You know, everybody's going to have the similar tenants to pull from. Yeah. So it would be more of how, who are these people? How do they run their business? How are they going to manage my property? How are they going to communicate with me? What's their track record? And we encourage people to interview more than one. I, I, oh, I know yeah. that I, when somebody comes to me and says, hey, why should I use you to help me buy property? I, I give them my spiel of how I can help them. But I always tell them, go ask some other guys. Yes. You know, go talk to a couple other agents and see how they can help. Uh, but I think one of the, one question that was really important that you mentioned there was, how many do you own? Yeah. When you're asking a property own? manager, do you guys own property as well? It's very hard to be on the same page if they don't know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I've never understood why somebody would manage property for others. Right. For a fee, unless it was just a job, they just had right. to just looking to generate income to pay my bills. Versus, hey, I'm doing this because I'm doing it for myself too. That's right. I mean, it, that's the beauty. They're kicking us out of here, Douglas. Oh man, that's great. Hey, Dang it. thank you so much hey, for coming. I on the enjoy show. being here. Yep, anytime. Ha- really glad to have you guys. Thanks for listening to the Memphis Real Estate Hour. We'll be back here next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Tune into the uh, show's Facebook page. Uh, we'll post the show here in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Memphis Real Estate Hour on AM 990 Memphis. Was crawling in the darkness like